Hi folks, Darren Shepard here, host of 709 Watershed. On this episode, we chat with Ashley Noseworthy, President and CEO of Edgewise Environmental, a St. John's-based environmental consultancy focused on marine mammal, seabird, and marine noise mitigation solutions. Ashley has a background working with marine mammals and in various positions offshore and throughout the world, and is the owner-operator of her own business. She recently trained IBEC personnel on various protocols to be utilized in our Leach's Storm Petrol Project in Cape Friels, and she took the time after this training to appear on 709 Watershed. An informative show awaits. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Another episode of 709 Watershed Podcast. I am in the studio, and again, I have another guest in the hot seat. This time, Ashley Knowlesworthy. Ashley, welcome to 709 Watershed. Thank you very much. Very excited to be here. Uh, Typical starter question, very open-ended. Who is Ashley Knowlesworthy? Well, my name is Ashley. Uh, and I am the CEO and founder of Edgewise Environmental. And Edgewise is an environmental consultancy, a marine environmental consultancy, focused in marine mammals, seabirds, and underwater noise. I am an avid scuba diver. I love being outside. Um, my career, I've been fortunate enough to travel extensively. I have a lot of my life spent at sea. So... Ashley is fairly versatile, I would like to say. <laughs> Master at nothing, but is, is <laughs> pretty good at everything else. Is that kind of... Maybe. I've, n- I've never loved that particular quote, but m- perhaps. <laughs> I love love a little bit of everything. So. Okay. That's, yeah. that's good. Though. So, like I said, so you if you weren't born a human, you'd be born probably a turtle or a whale kind of thing because you have a... Extraordinary yes. love for the ocean and mammals, right? Yes, yes. If reincarnation is, was, or may be a thing, um, hopefully I would come back as some type of marine mammal, um, maybe a killer whale, just because they're the apex of all of the predators in the ocean. So I don't know what that says about me, but. <laughs> <laughs> that could be another episode. Yeah, that's a whole yeah other we're, we won't go there. We're not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> Moving on, um, Edgewise Environmental. Like I said, this is a consulting firm. Uh, mm-hmm. You are the boss. Yes. Chief lady. Yes. Uh, you started this yourself. I did. Okay. How did you start this business and why did you start this business? Yeah. I. So I started this business in 2018, but this was a decade in the making. Uh, And so I actually figured out that there was something that I wanted to fix in 2010. I was finishing up my undergrad at MUN. I did biology. And when I was finishing up my last year in MUN, I had learned that there was something called a marine mammal observer. And I started to inquire about this and I realized I needed some further training. And that training took me to England So I was there for about a week, week and a half, did some training, uh, and I was fortunate enough to have a position as a marine mammal observer about a month after I graduated from my undergrad. And when I went offshore uh, and I was working in that role, I realized that there was a gap for training within Canada for marine mammal observers, particularly around legislation and policy and understanding perhaps of the species that we have in our waters. And so 2010 this stuck with me. 
um, all the way through. I originally incorporated my business in 2015, but I didn't launch until 2018. Um, there was a skill set that I wanted to build. Uh, I had some mentors that were giving me a lot of guidance, and I wanted to make sure I had a really solid business plan. So I sat and I worked and I waited behind the scenes, and I launched then. And you have been all over the world because of this career you've chosen. Um, and like I said, you are a hired gun. If, if there's a specific task that you can do, they will come to you and, and ask you to do it. Um, oh, for the listeners, that's why she's here. Uh, <laughs> she, she's actually helped us greatly. Uh, we learned a lot today. Um, in every regards to our Storm Petrol uh, project down Cape Friel, she helped us with that. And she's been a phenomenal asset for us in, in that regard. Thanks. Um, when it comes to the uh, the offshore tech thing, yeah. um, what's the biggest piece of being involved with that? Like that's that's pretty broad. You're basically are you on the the bow of the ship with binoculars, just looking for mammals or? Oh, there's lots of different roles in the environment. That's a really great question, Darren, because I get this all the time of what is it exactly you did or you do or what are you doing out on the ocean? Uh, and so when I started, I guess for the listeners, when I started out, I started as an MMSO, a marine mammal and seabird observer. And these are required in any type of marine industry where you're going to be creating sound in the water. Um, now, seabirds you know, that was that's kind of a tangential piece where they want you to do a particular type of monitoring. But for marine mammals, of course, we know that certain sounds, certain frequencies can potentially affect certain species. And it depends on a lot of things, distance, depth, time, seasonality, migration, all of these things. And when I started out, um, you're really there because you have the ability to shut down the project if certain species come too close. You have the ability to delay the project if certain species come inside of an exclusion zone. Um, these types of roles are really common in the energy industry. And so I know when I say energy, people are going to think oil and gas, and that is correct. But they are also very common in renewable energy. And I think I want to highlight that just because that is a very up-and-coming industry in Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, and so anytime you're creating noise in the water, these personnel are required uh, to make sure that we're trying to, you know, reduce harm, um, but we're abiding by the policies and legislation that are currently in existence. And those are changing. Would you be third party in that situation? Because if you have the power to shut down a project or a rig or something, I'm I'm pretty sure the um, the organization might be like, uh, can she do that? <laughs> She's kind of putting us out of business for like a three three days here. What's going on? Yeah, you are a third party. Okay. Yes, so you are a third party contractor. Uh, and when they develop these types of projects, they actually build in downtime for things like shutdowns or delays. It's the same thing as weather. They build in downtime for weather, uh, and so they do the same thing for marine mammals. Um, and unless they're perhaps was an excessive amount, in which case they would simply have to abide by that or you risk losing your license, uh, then, you know, they accept that. And that is common practice globally. So that's just not that's not just in Canadian waters. That does exist um, in various jurisdictions around the world. OK, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool, actually. Um, let's talk about uh, marine mammals there for a second. Um, if, if you're listening to this recently now, um, People are probably aware of the uh, walrus that is uh, t making the rounds on the Northeast Avalon. Uh, obviously, people are gawking at it and coming out and scaring the, the thing, probably much for the most part. Um, 
explain to the listeners the importance of such animals and the connection to a healthy ocean, healthy ecosystem. Uh, how, how does a walrus popping out on Middle Cove Beach affect all of us and how do we affect it? Oh, again, great questions. Um, so there actually used to be a lot of Atlantic walrus in and around Newfoundland and Labrador. There still are walrus in and around Labrador, but walrus are an Arctic species. Um, and to be honest and, and very transparent, I don't know a whole lot about why they're not anymore. I know I did a little bit of reading and there was a hunt perhaps, um, but they're just not in and around and they're not common. So... There, of course, there's going to be interest and excitement when there is a marine mammal in the area. One, that's out of the water, uh, that is easily accessible. And two, that is rare and is not often seen here. How many times do you get to see a walrus not in an aquarium, for example? Uh, so it indicates a few things. Because they are not around and they're not common, then it tells us that this is something that could have come down on an ice floe. On an iceberg, for example, it's that time of year. It could have always been around. We just perhaps aren't seeing it. There's lots of nooks and crannies in and around the island where it can hide. Uh, and perhaps, you know, it might have just kind of wandered off course and ended up in a really convenient, inconvenient spot. So when it comes to how we can affect marine mammals, of course, this is exciting. And I always encourage curiosity and education and you want to see stuff like this. I myself went down to Middle Cove Beach to take a look. Uh, but perhaps I went down with a lens of I need to be very careful. And so I encourage you that if you are ever in a position where you get to see marine mammals in the wild, particularly a walrus on a beach somewhere, um, that you give it so much space. These are really large animals, and despite its size, they can move quite quickly. You need to be quiet. An animal is not used to having such a loud environment. So, you know, really excited people or, you know, very, you know, barking dogs, things like this. It's just not used to it and you can scare it. And one of the things I was noticing is, of course, people want to get so close because it's so accessible. Um, but again, that's very dangerous and you never want to be in between an exit point. So an entry into the water in the marine mammal. Uh, so... I noticed that the Department of Fisheries and Oceans, a few officers were there, which were really great, but some people were still trying to encroach past the officers. And so it's really important just to make sure that you're giving just so much space. Um, and that's one mammal. I mean, obviously, if you've seen a whale washed up on the beach, it, it's, it's you're not going to try to push it back. It's not, it's not going to. No, on. no, definitely not. However, there was that case out, I forget where it was in Newfoundland, but there was a gentleman that there was a few, I believe, pilot whales that had washed up and he worked his butt off and, and got them back into the water. So, you know, I, perhaps that's a one-off mm. in that um, I believe that that gentleman may have been linked to uh, fisheries or some type of wildlife enforcement and had the knowledge base there. But in general, as somebody you know, if you come across a marine mammal, if they're still living um, and they're they're stranded, you want to report that right away. This segment of the 709 Watershed Podcast is sponsored by Star Creations. Visit us on the shore in the beautiful town of New West Valley. Check out our huge selection of yarns, fabrics, and unique handmade items. Download our app for an easy shopping experience from Apple Store or Google Play. Star Creations is an authorized Amazon retailer with shipping all over North America. Make sure to follow us on Facebook to stay updated on exciting new products, sales, and events. 
Star Creations, everything you need to make your star creation. Town of Gander, offering first-class accommodations, entertaining special events, and our own unique aviation heritage. Gander is known as the welcoming town at the center of the Broadway musical Come From Away. The town of Gander offers a range of cultural and recreational opportunities, making a perfect base for exploring the spectacular natural beauty of Newfoundland's Kittiwake Coast. Visit us at www.gandercanada.com or follow us on Facebook at Town of Gander. Supplement King, Canada's number one sports nutrition retailer. Locally owned and operated, they exist to help fuel your goals. Stop by the store on Torbay Road or visit saltmcking.ca for next day delivery or free local store pickup. Town of Indian Bay, the sports fishing capital of Bonavista North and the proud home of Indian Bay Ecosystem Corporation. How did you get involved with marine mammals? Like, did you just at the age of five fell in love with a whale or you went to marine world and saw a seal and be like, I want to help it. How, how did that, how did you get involved with it? Like, I mean, I, I'm kind of curious because people like yeah. when they're kids, like I want to be an astronaut or something. When did you? So I'm, perhaps this is the, this isn't, isn't the stereotypical story of if you asked me when I was eight, what I was going to be, it, the answer was marine biologist and it never wavered once. It never changed. And where I got my love for the ocean, I'm I'm not quite sure. So, uh, you know, neither of my parents worked directly with the ocean. Um, I was always, you know, like all of the, all Newfoundlanders and Labradorians were kind of raised fairly coastally. We have some pretty easy access. But um, at the age of 12, I called down to the Ocean Science Center and asked to volunteer. And I was pretty stubborn. Uh, and they gave me a chance. And so on the weekends, I would go down and I would assist in feeding and general husbandry of the harp seals they had down there. And I worked there from the time I was 12 until the time I was 23, 24. Uh, and I volunteered and I worked part-time and then I worked full-time and I worked up to a technician level. Um, yeah, so that's perhaps where it really kicked in because I think it's important to realize if you really like something, you need to figure out if you want to do it as a job. To like something is one thing, but then to do it as a job is a completely different thing. Uh, and so I needed to figure that out. And uh, yeah, and I guess I wanted to do that at the age of 12. <laughs> So if anybody's listening and you're 12 years old and you want to feed the harp seals at the Marine Ocean Science Center. I don't know if they do that now. I don't know if they do it. Like, I, think I don't think so, I no. I don't think that's allowed like that. It's a different time. Uh, but yes, they they gave me a chance. And when I asked my boss in the later years, you know, what possessed you to, to allow, you know, somebody so young? He was like, you were just very adamant and you seemed like you just had a lot of drive. And so I appreciate that, that, you know, perhaps perhaps give the young ones a chance because they might stick with you for a really long time <laughs> start them when they're young that's right um that leads to the next question really nicely um we here at ibec we're involved with the women in science and engineering program uh, newfoundland labrador and we usually have a grade 11 female student with us uh, every summer mm -hmm. uh, hopefully again this year if, if it all works out if there's a young woman listening to this right now what would you tell her if she's interested in marine biology science and stuff like that what would be some insight that you would share with her? Sure. I would recommend, so try everything. Um, if you have an interest in something, try it. It's okay to figure out that you're not interested in it for a career. 
So, you know, give it a go. There may be other facets of STEM that you might be really interested in that trying something out, you might think, well, this isn't exactly for me, but I really loved that part. And that will lead you into a particular area. So an example I have of that was I always loved marine mammals, but I didn't realize I loved acoustics. And so the sound in the water is really what I just I'm super passionate about. But I didn't realize that until I was in my, you know, latter years of my undergrad. Um, I would also recommend or suggest, you know, find a mentor or reach out to somebody that's maybe doing what you're doing and, and ask them for 10, 15 minutes of their time just to have a quick conversation. What is it you do? What's involved in the day to day? You know, what's the most exciting or boring parts of your job um, to really understand if that's something that you would like to go after. Just ask all the questions, be curious, uh, and and don't be afraid to try new things. If a 12-year-old called you up and say, hey, I like your organization, can mm-hmm. I get some advice or can I come and see what you guys do? Yeah. Who am I to say no? I was that 12-year-old. Uh, and so at Edgewise, we actually place a lot of focus on community initiatives and give back. We've been part of the um, Oceans Core Immersions Program through Oceans Advance. I've I've done a lot of talks um, to grade one students pre-ca- pre-pandemic. Uh, we've done some online talks with grade four students. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't matter what age. Um, I think it's part of my responsibility as somebody who owns a company, but is also just that person, you know, that's really passionate to give back a little bit and make sure that you keep that passion alive in anybody else that might be interested out there. This segment of the 709 Watershed Podcast is sponsored by Sainsbury Lane. Are you looking for a unique staycation experience? If you are, Sainsbury Lane, Newfoundland's most beautiful address, is the place for you. It is a 154-year-old, fully restored, two-story vacation home located in historic Greenspot. With spectacular ocean views and a cozy backyard, it is the perfect blend of rustic charm meets modern convenience. Check out Sainsbury Lane on Airbnb and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Visiting historic Greenspot? Make sure you include a stop of one of the shore's favorite spots, a beautiful tea room in a saltbox house that dates back 160 years, Ida's Place. Walk back in time while viewing whales from the deck as you enjoy a hot cup of coffee or see icebergs while savoring one of Heather's famous cinnamon buns. Make Ida's Place your place. First lane on the right after you cross the causeway. Check out Ida's Place on Facebook or call 709-424-2005 for more details. Amy's Place. Located within Carter's Gas Bar in Pound Cove, Amy's Place provides eat-in or take-out options for your favorite home-cooked meals. Try our famous Barber's Chicken or our Monster Burger if you dare. After all, happiness is a full belly. Call us to reserve a table or place an order at 536-5551. You're obviously a woman CEO. Mm-hmm. That's becoming more and more now normal i guess in in the business world um when you started this business was there a bit of skepticism when it comes to jesus it's all women it's a women's it's a women organization <laughs> you know is because i was thinking about that when you also do the, the rigs and stuff like that yeah it's majority men yes um did anybody kind of give you like some weird looks and something like that like, what, what <laughs> you're, you're doing what now you're going to start this 
Or or is that now because I'm or is that kind of in the past now? That kind right. of stuff is done, or, or is that still there? I've been getting weird looks all my life. Um, I uh, yeah, it's so I have typically always worked in a male dominated industry, um, and I have been fortunate enough to have the type of personality where that hasn't really affected me because it's just people. So, you know, it's obviously you stand out a lot when you're in a confined area like offshore where you're dealing with, you know, predominantly a a certain, you know, sex or or type of people. But yeah, I I never really thought about it that way. And it is certainly changing. Um, There are certainly changes being made and you're seeing a lot more women involved. Um, And I think you know, we still have a long way to go, but there are there's a lot more interest. And we actually just had, I think it was just a few days ago, um, women in the maritime industry. It was like the day of women in, in maritime. And I think you're seeing a, a lot more women uh, be willing to take on those uh, traditionally male-dominated roles. Uh, and eventually, I think, you know, my want for this whole thing is it's just it's just people, right? It's not, it's not female CEO. It's just CEO. It's not, you know, you're a woman who works offshore. It's just, you're a person who works offshore. And so that's the goal there. Do we have a a ways to go? Sure. Of course we do. Uh, But yeah, that's the, that's the end goal I think is just to be seen for your skill set and what you can do and how you've been trained and that you do a really good job regardless of, you know, your gender or whatnot. Excellent answer. Good answer. (laughs) Thanks. Anybody that's gone offshore probably, what, the last maybe six, seven, eight years mm-hmm. probably have met you. <laughs> probably, yes. Well, I know they, <laughs> yes. they probably have had met you because yes. you've actually had to train them to get out of the helicopter that's, that's up there underwater that in the pool. Correct, yes. <laughs> so they would know who you are. Oh, you're the lady that forced me underwater. Yeah, you're that terrifying lady. <laughs> yeah, okay. So for those that don't know this, so Ashley has taught that program, which is basically – uh, what's the official name of the is aviation ditching? Yes, it's um, offshore survival and uh, aircraft ditching or, or helicopter ditching. Or as civilians like me say, you're in the pool, the thing goes upside down, That's you got to right. try to get out of it without freaking out. You got it. How in the hell did you get involved with that? And what made you want to do that? <laughs> that's always a that's always an interesting point that people people bring up because of course I have this track of, you know, everything is so science-based and marine mammal based. And then all of a sudden there's this deviation of, and now you're teaching people how to survive in the water. Um, so I became involved in that. Uh, and I guess I'll give you the method to the madness behind it was I knew I wanted to start a business. And when I was talking to a particular mentor. And I knew I wanted to initially start the business in training. Uh, And they said, you know, it would be really beneficial if you had a background in training, particularly for adults. It would give a lot of credibility and there's a lot to be learned. The way that you train and teach adults is very different from young children. And it very much is. So any listener out there, it is not the same. It is very different. Uh, And I had the opportunity come up where there was a position for an instructor for offshore survival. I had spent at that point in time, I think it was about seven-ish years offshore. I had done. I had been offshore here and in Africa, um, and I still had opportunity to go offshore. And I got the position, and I ended up being the lead instructor at that particular facility for a few years. And 
it was for me, it was to build a skill set. Um, but I learned so much about myself and about other people in that particular position. I realized I thrive in a little bit of chaos. Um, I, I like things to be just slightly chaotic. Uh, but I also really learned a lot about um, how to manage stress, both in myself and in other people. And that this is a skill set that is incredibly important. So it's anybody who's working on the water, on the ocean, whether you're on a vessel or you are on an installation um, or a barge or whatnot, having that particular skill set of knowing how to survive in the water if the worst were to happen is really important because it gives you uh, an opportunity to do the best for yourself in that particular situation. So yeah, that's how I came about it. And I, uh, I ended up, uh, actually, I taught in Norway um, for a period of time, and I also taught in Scotland um, for a period of time for basic survival training and H2S, uh, and those were really great because it also gave me the opportunity to train um, other nationalities and other cultures, and it was a good throwback to my offshore days as well. Can you estimate how many people you've actually trained? In it's that? in the thousands. Yeah, it's in the thousands. I think we did the stats one year and it was, I mean, through the, at the facility, I think there had been like 10 or 20,000 people come through. Yeah, but I'm not all of them I would have taught. Um, so let's say you take that by half, but it at when I was working full time, it would have been, yeah, we would have been in the thousands for sure. So more than likely, I mean, there has been helicopter crashes. There has been ditchings over mm-hmm. that time for some people have probably used what you've trained them do um yeah so there in relation to newfoundland there hasn't been any ditching which is wonderful yes. since i've been teaching um and uh scotland norway what about those situations? yeah i mean there have been there's a chance sure that somebody could have used the training that we taught them that we just don't know about yeah. a lot of times if that were to occur they'll typically message us back if something has occurred and, and they had a really positive experience and positive outcome um but yeah, you know what? I'm I'm quite okay with just, I hope people never need to use that. And that's the whole point is people come in and I recognize that it is really terrifying for people who do that training. And I, if anything, it's just, you know, it, it's the approach of we do this for a reason and we hope you never have to use it. Um, so I'm quite happy if I never receive any type of message like that. It means that everybody's staying as safe as possible. And not in the news when it comes to a helicopter That's in right. the water. Yeah. You got it. This segment of the 709 Watershed Podcast is sponsored by Laurel Guest House. When looking to stay in Indian Bay, consider Laurel Guest House, a three-bedroom bungalow with laundry and kitchen facilities, Wi-Fi, and many other amenities. Conveniently located on Main Street, its location provides quick access to Indian Bay River for salmon fishing and major trail systems for ATV and snowmobile usage. Visit Laurel Guest House on Facebook or Airbnb to book your stay today. Town of Centerville, Wareham, Trinity. Follow us on Facebook or on our main website at townofcwt.com. Hair Bay Adventures. Do you want to hike along the rugged coastline? Take a rowboat out to one of our many islands. Maybe fishing for trout or salmon is your thing. Visit our storefront for a chat, coffee, and cinnamon bun. Or contact Hair Bay Adventures to make your adventure happen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hair Bay Adventures. Or visit our website at hairbayadventures.com. 
Town of New West Valley, proud sponsor of the 709 Watershed Podcast. Together steering a new course. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or our website at www.townofnewestvalley.ca to explore all that we have to offer. Assuming that you're into education and stuff, lifelong learning. Obviously in this business, obviously in, in biology and, and marine mammals and stuff like that, you got to keep learning. Do you believe in lifelong learning and or do you just like, ah, I got enough, I'm good? Never. No, God, no, never. I, I believe that you're constant. You should be constantly learning. So, you know, lifelong learning or continued professional development, sometimes I'll call it CPD for short, is incredibly important. And I have sought master's certificates after I finished. I, I, I did two formal degrees, but I sought master's certificates afterwards. I regularly plan out what my professional development looks like throughout the year. At the beginning of the year, I will actively look for courses where I feel a little bit weaker and need to bolster my skill. I'll also look for fun things that I'm generally interested in. Um, Yeah, and I ask my employees to do the same. So they have a running list of things that they constantly want to learn. And I think it's really important to encourage that in anybody that you work with, that, you know, what more is it that you want to learn? And it doesn't have to be necessarily tied to your job. I think having really well-rounded people around you is really important. So, you know, even if it's a side skill, uh, then I think that's great. So I'm a very big proponent of that. Offshore industry, shipping, fishing industry, they all deal with shorebirds, seabirds in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people just look at them as the bird lands on the vessel. Right. That's yes. pretty much all they know about. Um, but as we know, um, shorebirds smash into boats because of lights. Um, they could get tangled up in netting. Mm-hmm. Uh, other bad things could happen, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel those industries take seabirds and shorebirds, basically health seriously? I think we've come a long way. And so I think that we have learned a lot as we've gone through and that things are progressing. I, you know, when it comes to how much are we doing for the earth or the world or, you know, certain species, we can always be doing more. So when it comes to, you know, are we doing enough, there will always be extra things that we need to learn to be able to do a better job, to be stewards of our environment. But I do think that we have come a particular way, even just in general awareness and training of just general crew. So regardless of if you're a specialist or, you know, uh, a trained seabird handler or a seabird observer or somebody like a, a, you know, an ornithologist with a PhD, just general awareness in this particular industry um, has grown but I certainly think it could continue to grow uh, just around knowing the species that we have here, knowing the species and potentially how they're affected. And, you know, we were even having a conversation today about how there are just so many areas around the island and offshore and birds are just so mobile that they can end up in the wildest of places. And so to understand them further, you'll always need further research. So in general, yes, I think those industries have come a long way. I think that there are initiatives that are taking place right now that have certainly pushed the boundaries. And I don't think that uh, anybody looking in would have said, well, I didn't, I wouldn't think that we would be here uh, just from a few years ago. But uh, of course, I think we can always be, be doing more and learning more. Your career has taken you all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, is that kind of a normal thing in that career <laughs> path? Or is this just because of Ashley, who likes to travel, this just works out 
for you personally? So it's, it's just just because I've I known you've been to a few countries. I'm kind of curious yep. where others you've been because you're going to like South America and yeah. Caribbean, and you just mentioned Norway and yeah. Like what continent? You, have you been to Antarctica? I have not. Not okay, yet. Okay, so you haven't not been yet. No. Okay. Um, I think you you curate a lifestyle. Uh, I definitely love to travel, and it's something that I really loved when I was a freelance contractor. Um, and I chose to do that. If you know, if you're a freelance contractor, perhaps you can work as close or as far away from home as you wish. Of course, that all depends on a few things, including economics. But I. Yeah, I, I actively choose to travel as much as I do, for sure. Uh, and I really love it. I I love traveling around the world. I love learning more, uh, you know, lots more about different cultures and different ways of doing things, especially in and around the work that I do. Um, there are some just the most incredible initiatives happening around the world that, you know, their stories need to be told and um, and just understanding how how the same industries and different jurisdictions work as well is really interesting to get a really big kind of global view on things. Um, I like to think at that particular level of, you know, we're here in Newfoundland and we have that ecosystem. We're also part of Canada and we have that ecosystem on the largest coastline in the world, you know, but in my field of work with marine mammals and seabirds, they don't recognize man-made borders. They don't recognize those types of things. And they travel according to migration patterns and can push them into some wild areas of our earth. So I, I like to travel. Um, do you find when you're like in Norway or off Africa uh, dealing with different cultures, like you said, different educational backgrounds, do you pull some little bits and pieces out of what you're learning from, you know, whatever someone learned in Africa or, you know, Asia, Europe? Do you bring that back with you when you when you ride back home, either for your own personal gain or for the business? Do you do you learn that or? Yeah, absolutely. I think anytime anytime you learn something new, you probably figure out how to do something in your life a little bit better, whether that's in your career or your own personal life. And so I do. I think I either consciously or subconsciously do that, whether it is learning how to communicate better, and I think that's probably the skill that I have developed the most is learning how to communicate either across language barriers or cultures or, you know, all of those things. Um, being able to communicate as a human in general, regardless of your nationality, ethnicity, whatnot, is really important. And it's always amazed me how, despite language barriers, we have, you know, similar mannerisms in some of the things that we're trying to say. You know, I'm very thankful for the game of charades. It's taught me a lot in terms of trying to communicate with people. And uh, and it always brings a smile when you're trying to communicate with somebody that might not speak the same language as you, but you understand innately what they're trying to say. And so, yeah, I do think you bring that back and you figure out how to best communicate even though there might be people around you that you know innately understand i'm not great at charades i'm not gonna have an issue with this I don't <laughs> um where do you see edgewise being in the next five years where do you see yourself being in the next five years and, and this is like a loaded question because people be like i'm gonna win the lottery and i'm gonna be like the king of canada like I don't buy lottery tickets, oh. so that's that's not an option. Oh, okay, there you go. Okay, this, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay so where? Okay, so so the company and yourself, five years. Give it uh, the company. I I thought about you know I, I think about this a lot of where do I want the company to be, and I think it always flexes and changes. A pandemic was not part of my business plan, uh, so let's make that very clear. Uh, but in five years, ultimately, I would 
like to continue in the reputation that we have and just be a real strong leader in industry and academia and government that when people think, especially, you know, locally or East Coast of, you know, we need somebody in either marine mammals, seabirds or noise that can do this or who understands policy and legislation around the blue economy the best that they think of edgewise. And so really pushing us in our consultancy services um, and what we do and best practices that we're leading in that particular space. So that would be my my wish or my desire. Personally, um, obviously, to have that particular reputation to have led the company there, um, to expand a little bit more into, you know, maybe some different countries in terms of our services. Um, I've always said, you know, at some point I would like to do a PhD, but my I don't really know when I would get the time to do that. In five years, you're, you're, I'd have to start now if I wanted to finish off my PhD at that time. Um, but yeah, I think I think those are kind of like the the big ones for sure. Uh, five years is a long and not long time at the same time, so it's you can accomplish a lot, uh, but it goes by quickly. Um, you're based in St. John's, yes, but you're available to go anywhere in the world. Yes. And you have a team behind you that basically covers social media, websites, yes. communications, accounting. You, you, have, you have a fair big team behind you for a, a company. I have a wonderful team and I guess I would just like to pause and like, I'm just very thankful for the team that I have and we're expanding. Um, and I, and a team of contractors as well. Like there have been a number of contractors that have been loyally with us kind of from the beginning and they are always there when I need them. They, I have called people up and told them they have to be on a boat in half an hour and they have said, sure, no problem. Um, and just, it takes a village to make a business work and it is not a one woman show. It, it takes multiple people. So just a, a, a thank you to everybody that's been involved and, you know, been a part of Edgewise since the beginning that, yeah, you've, you've made us grow and succeed in the ways that we have. If there's anybody out there that wants to get more information on how to potentially hire you or hire Edgewise, um, you want to give them some contact information or tell them to visit the website? And Yeah, absolutely. You can visit the website. So www.edgewiseenvironmental.com. And you can also email us at info at edgewiseenvironmental.com. Uh, and we welcome all inquiries and questions. Um, we don't discriminate. So whether you're 12 years old or you're 120 years old or you're a business that's trying to solve a problem in the blue economy, um, yeah, we're here to help out. Ashley, thank you for coming on the 709 Watershed today. Thanks. Much appreciated. And thank you for helping us on our project. We really appreciate that too. You're going to succeed. It's going to be so exciting to see see what comes out of this particular project. So thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks. That was Ashley Noseworthy, President and CEO of Edgewise Environmental. We thank Ashley for appearing on 709 Watershed. Make sure to follow 709 Watershed on all major podcast apps and bookmark our podcast page on our main website, IndianBayEcosystem.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you found it quite informative. For Kayleen Stagg and Jordan Nee, I'm Darren Shepard. Until next time, take care.